Hello and welcome back to Coffee Books. Today we are continuing on, of course, in The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee, written by Tristan Stevenson, in the middle of page 65. Let us continue. Freshly roasted coffee is approximately 2% carbon dioxide by weight, and if left in a non-pressurized environment, it will release this gas more slowly as time goes on. This is all down to the internal pressure of the bean which, like an inflated balloon, forces carbon dioxide and other gases outwardly after roasting. Now, carbon dioxide is flavorless by itself, but when mixed with water in, say, a French press, the hot liquid acts as an effective solvent for the carbon dioxide, which quickly dissolves in subsequently out of the water, creating lots of bubbles. The effect is like pouring a glass of fizzy cola over a sherbet, and as fun as that may sound, it doesn't make for a great tasting cup. There are two main reasons for this. The first is that when carbon dioxide and water mix, they produce carbonic acid. The subtle tang that you experience from a glass of soda that has been left to go flat is a taste of carbonic acid. The point is that carbonic acid isn't very delicious. It leaves a licked battery sensation on the tongue, and it can become quite apparent in very fresh brews. It has also been suggested that carbon dioxide is bad for brewing due to the disruption it causes to the mechanics of brewing, where wet coffee grounds that are rapidly releasing carbon dioxide have the effect of propelling brewing water away from the flavorful solubles that rest within the hallowed inner walls of the coffee cell structure. The result is a less complete extraction, for more on extraction, see pages 77 to 80. The amount of time that coffee must be allowed to rest and outgas will depend on the approach to roasting and storage. Broadly speaking, darker and hotter roasts will have a higher internal pressure, so they will outgas slightly quicker and more completely. Lighter and cooler roasts will do the opposite. Faster outgassing points towards a more porous bean structure, which is also more likely to go stale quickly. See page 66. It would seem that a direct correlation can be made between the rate and extent of outgassing and the volatilization or departure of aromatic compounds in the first week or so after roasting. A coffee's aroma tends to be more noticeable in lighter roasts. In darker roasts, the destruction of volatile aromatics or at least the good ones, eventually outpaces the formation. Freshness and staleness. The inevitable deterioration in coffee quality after roasting remains an inconvenient truth that, sadly, too many people choose to ignore. While some of the mechanisms responsible for staleness can be limited through packaging and correct technical processing, they cannot be entirely stopped typified by a loss of aroma and general muddying of flavor, staleness can be largely attributed to the departure of aromatic molecules and oxidation reactions. Allow me to explain. We experience this escape of aromatic volatilization every time we open a bag or box of coffee beans or even smell a coffee shop on the other side of the street. Oxidation is a destructive action responsible for the discoloring of fruit and vegetables and the eventual rancidity of fats and oils. In the case of coffee, oxygen molecules present within the air lend electrons to compounds and transform them into new oxidized compounds. 
the loss of positive flavor molecules and the creation of new, generally inferior from a taste standpoint, compounds presents itself as an overall loss of flavor. The rate of oxidation in coffee is largely proportionate to its rate of outgassing. Very fresh coffee actually oxidizes quite slowly, since the internal bean pressure prevents too much oxygen gaining access. Inevitably, though, as the rate of outgassing drops, oxygen finds its way in. There are other factors at play, too. Oxidation is increased by air humidity, for example. Storing coffee in a cool and dry environment still remains one of the best and simplest ways to preserve freshness. At some point during the exodus of aroma and the effects of oxidation, coffee crosses a threshold of acceptable loss and is eventually deemed to be too old and stale to be enjoyable. As for when exactly the coffee is at its peak level of performance, there are only broad guidelines. Certainly, it takes at least 12 hours for the coffee to become drinkable, and in some cases, up to a week to reach its full potential. It may be that not all oxidation effects are detrimental to coffee quality and that not all aromatic losses are actually a loss. The variables are too numerous to give even vaguely specific guidelines on when best to use your coffee, but assuming the coffee is stored correctly, I would advise using, using filter coffee within 1-10 to 10 days of roasting and espresso within 7-14 to 14 days. Packing and Preservation there are a variety of packaging options and which one is best for you will be determined by how you intend on using the coffee. Whichever method you use, keeping coffee in an unsealed container is not a clever move as it will leave coffee wide open to staleness. Coffee stored like this should be consumed within one to two days. Valve bags are the most common method of packaging for most commercial roasters. The valve allows a steady release of gases generated during roasting and the containment of aroma. Since carbon dioxide is steadily leaking out, it becomes difficult for oxygen to get in, meaning that the airspace of the bag is effectively flushed with carbon dioxide. I have seen some data that suggests the airspace in a valve bag may consist of as much as 50% carbon dioxide in only 5 minutes after loading freshly roasted coffee. Once opened, oxygen is of course introduced, but assuming the bag is sealed again, it is eventually flushed out again. Some roasters take the extra step to flush their bags with nitrogen when filling them, eliminating any oxidation effects until the bag is eventually opened. Vacuum sealing a valve bag achieves the same thing. Valve bags do not prevent outgassing, however, and since the level of outgassing is relative to the bean's internal pressure, which is also relative to the menacing potential of oxidation, freshly opened bags of three-week-old coffee, for example, will go stale very quickly. One workaround would be to store the coffee in a pressurized container. Also, freezing remains a simple and fairly effective method for the long and short-term preservation of roasted coffee. I have been, for some years now, freezing carefully measured individual portions of roasted coffee to great effect. Be sure to freeze in sealed bags or containers, though, to avoid moisture condensing onto the surface of the beans. Chapter 4 The Science and Flavor of Coffee How Flavor Works 
The subject of coffee flavor chemistry is broad enough to warrant a book many times the size of this one, never mind a section of these humble proportions. More than 300 flavor constituents have been identified in green coffee to date, rising to around 900 in the roasted coffee bean through the formation of new aromatic molecules. In isolation, these compounds each possess unique smell and taste properties, but their interaction with one another may form countless new aroma sensations. Traditionalists will argue that the success of a brewed cup of coffee should be measured in its enjoyment. Are the character traits of the coffee reflected in the cup? Are there defected or off notes in the character of the coffee itself? Is the extraction balanced, not too bitter and not too bright? Is there sweetness in the cup and does the flavor feel clean? The human body has reached a state of rare perfection when it comes to analyzing the stuff we put in our mouths. There is no instrument, man-made or otherwise, that is capable of achieving the multifunctional feats of the human oral and olfactory system. You don't need expensive equipment or a chemistry degree to answer these questions. Drinking coffee regularly can make anyone an acceptable judge of cup quality. But, and it's a big but, in cafes and at home, it's nice, if not essential, to be able to repeat great results over and over again. The rituals that we develop to make our favorite brews infuse for this long, dose that much, stir for 20 seconds with this spoon, aim to do this. Some of us are happy with the results that we achieve as long as they remain consistent. The knowing why is secondary to the hassle-free enjoyment of a good cup. But for many of us, the pursuit of perfection demands a greater understanding of why different practices produce different results, because it's the understanding why that can unlock the secrets of how to make that great cup even better. And we'll leave off here today in the middle of page 70. Thank you so much for listening as always. Good day and good coffee, friends.